Welcome to Ready for Baby. I'm your host, Gigi Vera Vincent, a postpartum doula on a mission to empower you with evidence-based prenatal and postpartum education. Through engaging conversations and expert interviews, we'll tackle misconceptions, making knowledge more accessible and equitable for your pregnancy journey. Join us as we delve into the challenges and triumphs of parenthood from newborn sleep to postpartum healing. We're here to create a supportive community, offering clarity and guidance for a safe and fulfilling pregnancy and early parenthood. Ready for Baby is more than education, it's an avenue for change. Together, we'll advocate for better access to care and improved support systems. Subscribe now and revolutionize your approach to pregnancy and parenthood. Let's embark on this incredible journey together. In today's episode, you'll hear me speak with Dr. Ritu Saluja Sharma. She's a board-certified physician in emergency medicine and lifestyle medicine, an integrative health coach, and the founder of Head, Heart, Hands, a comprehensive lifestyle change program for businesses and individuals. After years of practicing emergency medicine on the front lines of our healthcare system and seeing so many people suffering with diseases that could likely be prevented, Dr. Saluja Sharma created Head Heart Hands to help people lose weight, prevent disease, optimize their physical and emotional health, and increase longevity. Her program is holistic and addresses diet, nutrition, physical activity, decreasing and better managing stress mindfulness, mindset, and improving sleep. To put it simply, her mission is to help people live longer, healthier, and happier lives. In this episode, we focus on micronutrients and how we can use micronutrients to prevent postpartum depression and make our early months postpartum more enjoyable. Hi, Ritu. How are you? Hi, good. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to jump into this topic. I think you're doing such great work of making weight loss and integrative nutrition and health seem more accessible. It can seem so, I don't know, formulaic and restrictive, but you're trying to make it seem like everybody can incorporate this into their life, right? So how did you get into this field? How did you become a nutritionist and get into lifestyle medicine? I'm a physician. I'm an ER doctor, and I have been working as a physician now for almost 20 years. Throughout my career in the emergency room, I've just seen so many people suffering, right? Kids, adults, so much suffering. But from what I've seen is that so much of the suffering could be prevented. Day after day, I see patients coming in with diseases that are potentially preventable. And this has really made me feel so disappointed in our medical system because I don't feel like there's an emphasis on disease prevention. Everyone may hear, oh, eat healthy or exercise, but that's really the extent of it that you get from your doctor most of the time. And conditions like high blood pressure, diabetes, type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, heart disease, strokes, one third of our cancers, so many of these conditions could be prevented. While searching for answers and a better solution, I got a second board certification in something called lifestyle medicine. And lifestyle medicine is all about disease prevention, management and reversal through lifestyle. And I've become really passionate about this because I think this is truly the way to heal people. And yes, it is very accessible. And this is the thing when given the proper support and tools and information, it is really possible to heal yourself often and have people drastically decrease their blood pressure and their blood sugar and their cholesterol and increase their energy and feel so much better 
And I wish that everyone had access to this, right? And so this is my passion and this is what I'm trying to to bring to people. I love that. And I think a lot of people would hear lifestyle medicine and be like, no, that's like hippie stuff. Like it's not for me, but these are things that you, every person can just make simple changes. And you're seeing similar to the way that I see in the birthing world that people think, oh, they hear doula and they think, oh, that's only crunchy people would have a doula, but it's, it is evidence-based and what you're doing is evidence-based. So are you saying that an average doctor, a physician isn't going to have the time or the education and you're trying to meet people beforehand to Um, prevent? Yeah. The problem with our medical system is that there's not enough time, number one, in medical visits to address these topics, right? So when someone comes in and they're not feeling well, or perhaps their blood pressure is high, or they have type two diabetes, the conversation is pretty quick, right? Doctors generally have about 15 minutes with their patients. In that time, they talk, they do an exam, they have to work on the medical record, do the charting. It's crazy. And this is not because this is how doctors like it. Take it from me. I can't stand that. I wish I could spend a lot of time with each and every one of my patients, but it's the system. We are just pushed to see patient after patient a lot of times. And so then there's no time to have really meaningful discussions about how to and guide patients on how to prevent and even often reverse diseases. And most people, they walk out without a lot of information, without a lot of answers, without a lot of guidance, but with a prescription. And so I think that's such a it's such a shame. That's really not how it should be. And I don't fault doctors. I don't think that's the intention. It's just the system is such that it's really difficult. And what I've seen is that, again, given the guidance and tools and support, everyone is interested in being healthy. Everyone wants to have increased energy. No one wants to be on blood pressure medicine or high cholesterol medicine or diabetes medicine if they don't have to be, right? It's not like a crunchy hippie thing. This is like a universal thing. Everyone wants to be happy and healthy, right? That's what I'm just trying to help people with. Yeah. And one of the ways what I want to focus on in this episode is something I see all the way from pregnancy through postpartum is just this kind of drain on energy. That's a baby's forming. It's taking your energy. And then maybe postpartum, you're nursing that takes a lot of your energy and then you're not sleeping. Like all of that takes a toll. And I want to focus on like how micronutrients, what those are. And when you're meeting with people, how are they getting with their diet? How are we missing these micronutrients? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, micronutrients are the nutrients that our body needs like vitamins and minerals. So there's macronutrients, which are protein, fat, and carbohydrates, but then there's micronutrients. And every day, all day long, our body is making new cells and our brain is sending messages through our nerves and our immune system is constantly working. And all of these things, all of these processes in our body require micronutrients to perform. And for all of your listeners, your bodies are doing even more amazing things. You just grew a baby and many of you are nursing and you're healing. And in order to perform all of these tasks, you need micronutrients for your body to function properly. I think this topic is 
extremely important for your listeners because the postpartum period, it's considered the fourth trimester. And this distinction is important because it reflects the continuum of changes that are occurring from pregnancy through the first 12 weeks after delivery. And it's a critical phase for maternal recovery. Also, it's a high risk time for physical and mental complications. And it's a time of increased nutritional needs. So there's increased nutritional demands in pregnancy, and it can lead to depletion of essential nutrients. And that can actually impair physical recovery and increase the risk of postpartum depression. So this is like all so important, even more important in this stage of life to be focusing on. Yes. I love getting into this topic of postnatal depletion, postpartum depletion, because it affects so much. It's physical. So let's start with what are long-term physical effects? If you are not, let's not even get into like eating enough. People are told just drink a lot of water and eat lactation cookies, nothing against lactation cookies, but what if we are not getting our nutritional needs met and those micronutrients met physically, what happens postpartum? It's hard to sometimes differentiate because the food that we eat does so much, right? So our food provides our micronutrients, but our food also is very much linked to the inflammation in our bodies. And our food is also very much linked to our gut microbiome. So all of those things together very much influence how we feel, right? So to just say, oh, this micronutrient is, or lack of this micronutrient is making you feel this way. I don't think the science is completely clear that we know that there are certain nutrient deficiencies that cause disease, right? So vitamin C deficiency, and this is like what we learn in medical school, like vitamin C deficiency causes scurvy, but this is like severe deficiency or vitamin D deficiency causes rickets, right? So these are like diseases that we don't see anymore because people do not have that level of nutrient deficiencies, thankfully. But as far as deficiencies such that our bodies don't function optimally and we don't feel our best, I think that probably the majority of Americans, that's where we are with our standard American diet. And I think we can feel the effect of that more, even when we just had a baby, when we're nursing, when we're tired, when we're not sleeping properly, we can definitely feel the effects more. And then that in combination with what we eat affecting our gut microbiome and inflammation, we know that our food is our most powerful medicine, right? More and more, we're learning about this. And that our food intake is related to our risk of so many diseases. So high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, autoimmune diseases, inflammatory disorders, GI disorders, cancers, just so many different things. It affects everything, how we feel physically, how we feel mentally. There's definitely a link between what we eat and our mood. And I think that's extremely important with just so many people suffer with depression. And I think that this is such an important topic to talk about. Yeah. And I want to get into that. We're not having scurvy and hopefully not people aren't having scurvy and like severe deficiencies, but we are having this kind of feeling. And you're saying maybe with the standard American diet, you don't even notice as much of a difference, but definitely like your energy levels, but also your mood. So if we aren't getting our basic like micronutrients and getting those needs met, we are more likely to be depressed. That's what you're saying. And postpartum, that's more severe. Yes. So there's definitely a link there. And I'm not saying that's the only 
determinant for postpartum depression, but there's definitely a link there and not just for postpartum depression, just for depression itself. So more and more, we're learning that depression is an inflammatory disorder. So with depression, people actually have inflammation in their brain and the food we eat is very much related to the inflammation in our body. And so that has an effect, but then also even specific micronutrients can have an effect or macronutrients. It's been found that omega-3 fatty acids, people that eat more omega-3 fatty acids have a decreased risk of depression. People on extreme carbohydrate restricted diets, that may worsen mood symptoms in people who are predisposed to depression or anxiety. Nutrition really does play a big role because the nutrients we eat, they affect our brain chemistry. Yeah, that's so powerful. And you said like food is the best medicine. It could be our first medicine. We need to go to doctors, but food can play such a powerful role. And the average doctor just doesn't have the time to talk about that with us because of how our medical system works. So you're down in the trenches, you're meeting with clients when you're working. What are ways that this is showing up? So when you're meeting with clients, what are they saying and what are they feeling that kind of shows you that this is in the standard American diet and just getting those macro and micronutrients met? How do we know that this is an issue? It's hard for people. I think that our medical industry sets us up to fail, but then also our industrialized food system, the food everywhere is that we see is, and the majority of people of what people eat was processed and not a lot of nutrients. And people are really struggling. I think so many people are struggling with their weight and on trying diets, but not with a lot of success. And so I feel like that's always difficult because I feel like people are led to approach this in a way that I don't really believe in. It's all about counting calories and counting carbs and really depriving yourself. And all of those strategies I really don't think are the right way to go about it. And so a lot of times people that I see, they're frustrated, you know, they're frustrated. They don't feel well. Maybe they have been diagnosed with a few medical conditions or they have high blood pressure. They don't know why they have high blood sugar. They don't know why. They don't know what they can do to change the way they're feeling. A lot of times people don't realize until later, until they feel better, that they were so tired. They were so tired. And then now that they have so much more energy, they're like, wow, I was so tired before. In the afternoon, I would always feel like I wanted to take a nap, but now my energy is so much more and you don't even realize it because you're living like this. Yeah, it's pretty amazing what small changes can do, how just making small changes in what you eat without feeling deprived, without feeling like you need to count everything, without feeling like you never can eat a piece of pizza again. I don't think that's a way to live, but making small changes, how that can add up to really making a big difference in how you feel. Yes. I think postpartum, it's such a hard time because you do need to be eating. Even if you aren't nursing, you need to be getting your calories. You can't go into a no carb diet right after you have a baby. You're not going to have any energy. And I think there's a lot of factors like doing diets. We're like trying all of these things. But like you said, you need to get your needs met. And you will have more energy, but for the U.S., that maybe feels counterintuitive. Absolutely. Oh, I think it's such a struggle because there's this expectation that, you know, after you have a baby that you're going to lose the baby weight and just 
jump back to normal and look, you know, exactly the same. And that sets people up for carb restricting or counting calories or these extreme diets when actually what people should be focusing on is nourishing themselves after they just had a baby. And especially, you know, if you're lactating, then this is so important to be focusing on your nourishment. And I believe that if you're focusing on nourishment and self-care, and that's the focus, that it's still possible to, and in in fact, not just possible, it's more likely that you will meet your weight loss goals if done correctly. And it's more likely that it will be sustainable if it's done correctly. Also, it's very important, I think, in this postpartum time, it's a critical time for maternal health, but also for establishing habits that are important for a lifetime, right? And maternal nutrition and nourishment often dictates the family's nourishment. And so taking care of yourself, nourishing yourself, this is such an important time and it'll be beneficial for everyone, for your whole family. Of course, it's hard because people are tired and it's difficult. And often it's easier to reach for fast food or packaged food in this time. It's obviously this is, it's more difficult, but I think it's so important to work on strategies. And that's why sometimes working with somebody or having support or guidance to really help you during these times can be important. Yeah. The connection that you're making between nourishment and self-care. I have three kids. I get the way, like I understand how your day can, you work, you are taking care of kids, you're driving them to school, you have all of these things to do. It's easy to just forget to eat. But for setting the tone for me, I get really angry. I cannot not eat. I have to, even if that's like a habit of putting nuts or you're talking about like omega-3s, like getting walnuts. Those have a lot of omega-3s, right? Mm -hmm. Getting walnuts, getting something. I have in all of my doors, like in every car, my husband just laughs at me. Like every door has like bags of nuts in it or like snacks because I will get in the car and I'm like, okay, wait, we're heading to a museum and I haven't eaten yet. I've had a piece of bread all morning Mm -hmm. and that's not going to put me in a good mood to have to deal with three kids or just to have energy to handle them. So you have to have food around. And if you prioritize that and you set those habits up in the first early months with a baby, which I know is very hard, that'll follow you. So what are some of the ways that you have like when we're getting these minerals and nutrients, getting into the the specifics of it, like how do we get these into our diet? So I think the the best way, so in a nutshell, is to focus on eating whole, unprocessed food, lots of fruits and vegetables, so nutrient-rich foods. So eating lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of different colors, filled with vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, lots of chemicals that we've identified that we haven't even identified that really are important for our health. So trying to eat at least five servings, hopefully even more than that, ideally even more than that of fruits and vegetables a day, then eating nuts, eating seeds, eating beans, eating lentils, like legumes, eating whole grains, making those nutrient rich foods, the majority of what you're eating. And then all of the snack food, processed food, trying to minimize that as much as possible. The majority is the nutrient-rich food. That's hard in the United States. It's really hard. 
it's really hard. It's easier said than done, but it's possible. And there's been definitely, even for me, I have two kids and I really changed my life and the way that I eat when I discovered all this information and really changed the way that I was feeling. But just even something like, for example, for me, I don't have a lot of time in the morning. I make a smoothie. And in that smoothie, I have a banana and some berries, making sure you're eating a lot of berries. Berries are awesome. So I have blueberries and just frozen. So it's not sometimes hard to keep fresh fruit in the house all the time, but frozen berries and a handful of spinach and some almond butter and some soy milk. You get a lot of that stuff, even just in one smoothie, right? And that's something that's so easy then when you're running around with your kids or when you don't have two hands because you're holding your baby, you can be having your smoothie. There's lots of ways to add in these types of food and crowd out the other foods. And exactly the example that you gave, just having nuts available. That is like one of the best things that you can do is just having nuts available. So when you're hungry, that's what you reach for because that's high in protein, high in lots of the healthy fats. That's going to keep you satiated. That's going to be great for your gut health, great for your brain health. Actually, omega three fatty acids, if you're lactating, the fat content of the breast milk actually does change based on your diet. So carbohydrates and protein content is not, is it remains pretty consistent regardless of your diet, but the fat content of the milk does change. And so if you're eating a a diet high in omega three fatty acids, that actually will translate into the breast milk as well. And it keeps you full. So you, if you're eating like nuts, avocado, if you eat meat like salmon or pescatarian Mm -hmm. like salmon, food like that is going to fill you up. And yes, the smoothies, I'm not a really big fruit eater. Like I just don't like sweet stuff. I have like more of a salty tooth. Mm -hmm. I made that up. But smoothies are really the only way I will eat fruit. (laughs) And I'm like usually, oh God, I have to drink fruit because I just want, I only want like chips and nuts. I only like salty food. So are there any other ideas like that you have for healing like that? I love like eating like healthier fats, omega-3s that will help you heal postpartum. I think just eating nutrient-rich food, concentrating on nourishment rather than cutting out rather than counting and trying to reduce calories. So if you just look at the other way, I think that's a healthier way to approach eating and it's a healthier way to heal. Then if you are incorporating exercise into your routine, in addition to eating, I think nourishment is number one, like what we eat is so important, but then also getting outside and maybe walking that can be so important, getting some vitamin D and, and getting a little bit of physical activity that can do wonders to how you feel physically and your mental health. And then of course, sleep. And this is again, easier said than done with a newborn, but sleeping when you can really making sleep a priority and understanding that the dishes can wait, the house can be dirty, or it doesn't have to be cleaned, your sleep is more important. So all of those things, prioritizing your own care, prioritizing your health, I think is key. Yes, sleep, it's obviously very hard when you have a newborn to get sleep. But sleeping like as long as you can in the morning, your baby doesn't have to get up at six or start the day at six. You know, let them sleep in whenever, go back to sleep and just stay in bed. But that's for, I think for parents that have little ones, we feel like I need to get my time back. 
And so they're staying up late. I'm guilty of this too. Stay up late. But the effect of like just eating enough, you don't have to restrict yourself and sleeping and getting outside. Though none of those things seem extreme, but it's something that you have to, like you said, get into the habit of doing and it will be life-changing. So none of that is crazy, right? None of it is crazy. It's hard. There's a lot of pressure, I think, that women feel to maximize our time and to be productive all the time and to just be perfect. And the reality is we are never going to be perfect. No one's perfect. I don't think we are ever going to finish what's on our to-do list. That is not possible. And I think it's more important to just make it a priority for our self-care, right? So like your to-do list will never be finished. So instead of trying to accomplish everything on the list, take time to take care of yourself and then everything will seem easier too. That was a beautiful final note. (laughs) I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on and speaking with me. And then can you tell everybody how can they connect with you and your work? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook. So I'm head heart hands MD on Instagram, um, head underscore heart underscore hands MD, and then also on Facebook. And then my website is headhearthandsmd.com. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And that's the end of our episode with Dr. Ritu Saluja Sharma. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you love today's episode, please share it with a friend. Being pregnant or a new parent is so isolating. And for me, sharing a podcast is a great way to connect and start hard or uncomfortable conversations. I appreciate you taking the time to spread the message of Ready for Baby. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you back here in two weeks.